I was watching the, the television the other night, and there was a comedian on it that had been upset by something. And uh, he was saying how things would be different under his glorious rule. You know? In his kingdom, it would be. And he went on like this. And it kind of came down to there being no queues in the supermarket. Which you kind of thought, if you had the power to do anything, is that really where you start tackling the issue? I don't find it that ambitious, personally. You know, and if you were to compare it to maybe somebody else singing about if I ruled the world, you might get a different thought there. Those of you that are um, of a certain age might remember Pickwick and Harry Seacombe singing, every day would be the first day of spring, and it got covered by a number of other people. So maybe you're younger than me, and you remember a cover version of that. Every day would be the first day of spring. Well, that sounds better than sorting out the supermarket queue, but you still have this issue of, well, how is the apple tree going to grow and flourish and give us the fruit? Because it surely needs the warmth of summer over a period of time. Fortunately... Comedians and songwriters are not the ruler. We have God. And there will be a day when we see the fullness of his kingdom. And there will be a day, a day where every knee will bow. And there will be a day when the tears are wiped away. And we'll see something wonderful of God's glorious kingdom. How he will rule. In this passage today, Jesus establishes his understanding that there is a kingdom. It has a ruler. And that ruler is God. It's not a case of if God had a kingdom. The Lord reveals something of how things actually are already and how they will be. The kingdom of God is like this, he says. He's saying there is a kingdom and it's like this. But the word like leads us into a parable, doesn't it? We're not going to get a straightforward telling, this is how it is. Here's the whole picture. We get a story that people, again, might be familiar with. And so we're back with seeds. We're back with seeds, kind of forgetting a story that Jesus has already told us. 
because we've had the parable of the sower a few weeks ago. And we've heard that there's a variety of soil out there, and some of it's good, and some of it's not very good at all. Some of it has thorns and weeds and stone, and some of it's a bit hard and it's a bit parched. This parable tends to forget that one a little bit and thinks of just what's in the good soil. But of course, if you remember what I said that Sunday, maybe part of our task is to go and prepare the soil so that it's good for the seed in the first place. Here, the farmer simply goes and sows the seed and at the right time is able to harvest it. Sounds like a farmer has an easy life in this passage, doesn't it? That's all he does, just goes and sows the seed, waits a few months, gets it. Farmers have a much harder way than that. But the key concept here is that the growth happens by itself, not with the intervention of the farmer. This first century farmer is not concerned with irrigation. He probably would be in the Holy Land. But in this passage, there's no need to worry about irrigation and how that water's getting to the plants. He's got no concerns about pest control. It's the days before pesticides. But there are organic methods, introduce something else, keep the insects away. Nor does it matter about fertilizer. You simply sow the seed. It all happens by itself. Or not quite. Sometimes in a family home, things just happen. You've been children sometime in the past. I wonder when the ornament got smashed. Did you do it? No, it just happened. Did it just smash? Really? Well, no. It fell because of gravity pulling it to the ground. And the nudge it accidentally got before that. That's it, isn't it? And as the ornament falls, it gathers kinetic energy and makes a smash and it deforms and it's all broken. Once nudged, it's automatic what will happen. Kind of. It's automatic because of the way the world is and the way that God has set things in place. That we have gravity. Once a good seed is sown on a fertile feed, uh, field, it's automatic that it will grow. If it's a good seed and a good field, they'll come together and it will grow because God has the, created the world to be this way. 
and he provides sunshine and rain. It's not that the farmer has to bring that. God brings that to the equation that allows the seed to grow. But Jesus wants us to think not of simply growth in fields, but something about the kingdom. This is how the kingdom is, that things will grow. If the seed is sown and the field is fertile, it will grow. Some say, well, it's all automatic. We don't need to worry about anything at all then. We don't need to engage in evangelism. We let God do it. That'd be wrong. The farmer trusts God for the growth from seed to maturity and awaits God's moment, the Kairos time, for the harvest when it's not just an ear, but an ear that's ready. But the story begins with the seed being sown. So the seed must be spread. We must engage in evangelism. We must share the seed that we have. We must take it out there for there to be a harvest. It won't happen completely by itself. It needs the seed to get in the ground first. But then there will be growth. The seed will sprout and grow. But we don't cause that. We might try to create growth, but we would fail. For it is God's Holy Spirit who enables the change to come. The change that comes upon people's hearts that causes them to come to faith. The change that comes into people's lives that causes them to grow in faith. Throughout the years, people have often tried to serve God to bring the kingdom They think, erroneously, that by doing God's work for him, the kingdom will come sooner. This is not the case. That's a social gospel. It doesn't stand. We are called to be kind and compassionate. We are called to bring healing and wholeness. We are to take the message out. But we cannot bring the kingdom into being. That is something of God. That's the thing that will happen by God's power himself. The kingdom might be seen to be at hand because of what we do. But we cannot force people to grow. And we cannot cause growth or change at a different rate from what God determines that to be. Growth is not always quick. Often much of it is hidden. It sprouts, creates a stalk, then a hint of an ear, 
then the fullness of grain. The season is not rushed. It takes the season. Sometimes things simply take time for the growth to occur. So this passage is more than simply sowing the seed and spreading it out, leading to a harvest. It's about waiting and discerning what is right and experiencing what God has in mind rather than what we're trying to do. At the time that Jesus is telling this parable, the disciples are starting to wonder what's going on. They've got their Messiah. When's he going to do something? When's he going to show his power? When is this rule going to begin? They want to have a sense of revolution in the air. They're gathering followers, but they're not quite getting to the place where the disciples imagine they should be. Their vision of the kingdom coming is misguided. They might not be able to see the growth and the swelling or even a sprouting at this time, let alone the rise of the stalk or the hint of the head. But just because they're not perceiving it as a change day by day, it doesn't mean there was no change. And it doesn't mean that the time is not getting closer. The time is getting closer. The day will come. And likewise, in churches, the spreading of the seed and its impact is not immediately obvious always. And it's possible that impatient members get disheartened thinking that nothing has happened. Well, we did all that work. What's come of it? We don't always see the benefits of what we do. Maybe if you're there for a long time, you do. But sometimes things take a long time. God is working his purpose out. And during the time after the sowing, it's God's action that enables the growth. And the Holy Spirit will enable that growth to occur. And growth in faith and maturity of spirit until the person decides to give their life to Christ. While we might provide opportunity for that growth to occur by making sure that nothing hinders it, there is nothing we can do that can hasten it other than pray that God may act. As we remember the seeds that have been sown in places like Stepping Stones or Boys Brigade, or in the lunch fellowship, 
or in numerous other groups, perhaps even on a Thursday when the concourse is open and we might not see many come in and only the, the mums pushing the, the buggies out at the end of the morning after they've been to baby clinic. We might not see the effect of that seed immediately, but growth takes time. And so don't simply walk away from the field, but rather keep waiting and watching for the Lord's work. Keep praying that we may see what the benefit is. We long to see growth. And next Sunday, when we come to our harvest celebration, which I will remind you is at 10.30, you don't need reminding about that, do you? We'll think not of how much the farmer did, though the farmer does a lot, but we have to give thanks for what God has done, what growth has he caused. So I pray in this week that you might be praying too for that in that time of worship we might see something of that growth. That God might be speaking into the hearts of those seeds that we've been sown and that there might be something. That there might be a sprouting of faith. Just a little bit. Just poking above the surface. Just starting to show its head. That we might be encouraged. So that come. The real time of harvest. The real time that we will see in the future. When God's kingdom is in fullness, the harvest will be rich. And the seeds that we have sown will have contributed to that. Amen.